and we're back for another episode. Poor things. We've seen that in the cinema. Well, it was just middle of last week now. Yeah, it was a while. Um, but I've had some natural disasters. So yeah, Tris flooded his flat. So, um, so, yeah. so we've been delayed on releasing anything because plan. he's been uh, mopping up. Yeah. But, <laughs> and um, the flat downstairs. And the flat downstairs, yeah. Um, <laughs> should we start with a book? I haven't read it. Oh, Have no, you? but we we'll, can talk a little bit about the book. I don't know. As, as in the context book. about the book. I've done okay. a little bit on, on the context. Um so poor things, I'll give you the full title. Episodes from the early life of Archibald McCandless, MD, Scottish Public Health Officer. Okay. Um, it won two awards, the Whitbread Award and the Guardian Fiction Prize, which are both now dissolved. <laughs> but it, but it, it went, the year it was released in 1992, it won both of those awards. The Whitbread Award became the Costa, the Costa. Oh, right, did I didn't know that. Um, didn't know which had its last year in 2021. And the Guardian Fiction Prize, I think, was dissolved um, just before the year two thousand. So, right. so but it did win, win legitimate awards the year it was released. So, it was written by Alastair Gray, yep. who his first novel Lanark is seen as a landmark for Scottish fiction. So, yeah. a Scottish author. I think this is a little bit as well, isn't um, it? Yeah, and uh, so and so Lanark is realist and dystopian depictions of Glasgow, which it is his home city, written over a period of 30 years. So that, so that was released in 1981, um, and this Poor Things was released in 1992. Mm-hmm. And, and as, in, as in the film that we saw, the, the Poor Things was focusing on Bella Baxter, um, but the book's written, written kind of in the view of her husband, um, who is called Archibald McCandless, and in the film Poor Things is called Max, Max McCandless, McCandless yeah. as well. Um, so uh, yeah, very similar plot as well. Um, but funnily and strangely, the introduction of Poor Things hosts a critique of Glasgow City Council's treatment of its culture and heritage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like the whole novel is 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 that a bit though, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be a, uh, a critique of. of Glasgow and the uh, the treatment of its citizens. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I haven't read this novel, so I don't know. Mm. But obviously, the major shift um, between the the novel and the movie is that Glasgow is omitted. Yeah, it's yeah, the setting the has changed completely. Um, respect? I, I, do you respect that, or do you think? Do you think what? What do you think about that? Because obviously, it's it's quite a big change. I don't understand the change because I haven't read the novel. Um, I was speaking to somebody who who was saying that. Um, Alistair Gray was like a, a, a hugely political figure mm. or individual. Um, he was extremely pro Scottish independence. So I imagine he'd be pretty upset with the omission of That's Glasgow uh, from his novel because I think he'd see it as inherent to what he was writing about mm. and what he was trying to get at with mm. his writing. Um, I heard that his son, because obviously Alistair Gray has passed away now mm-hmm. and I heard that his son was the one that sold the rights to to the novel right like okay. the, the story right so um, and I, I've, I had seen somewhere a headline where he was quoted as saying um, the son that is was quoted as saying uh, I don't think he'd mind or I, I have no problem with, with the omission of Glasgow right uh, I think it's divided opinion a little bit I think some people think it's a bit of a uh, an insult um, I think or sort of kind of a whitewashing of his work 
Um, I mean, Scotland is completely omitted. That's a absolutely, thing. yeah, yeah. Uh, but the bare bones of it—that's <laughs> not a pun. The bare bones of it are still there, I guess. The kind of Frankenstein-esque story mm. about the, oh, yeah. the creation I, of the well, world I, story I think the yeah, I, I the definitely doctor's you're relationship right. with it. Huh. You're right. The 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 kind of you know because you know even in the book um, she's referred to as Victoria before the before the accident or, or whatever as well. So so I, there's definitely the plot's still similar in terms of yeah, the character. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about the themes. Yeah, yeah. When yeah, I say yeah. it's Frankenstein-esque, I, I don't just mean the, the plot, I mean... Because, of course, that is the big similarity, isn't it? Yeah. And just like with Dr. Frankenstein, uh, Godwin mm-hmm. creates, you know, reanimates a body, creates essentially a monster, a kind of yeah. like abomination of science. Um, and then the, the sort of story tracks the relationship that the Doctor has with, with that individual mm-hmm. uh, or with the, with the creation and the creation with itself. Mm. Um, and it's all a commentary on mankind or in this case, womankind. <laughs> um, Self-discovery. So, yeah, and that's, uh, in that sense, thematically, it's, it's the same. And I think that, I imagine, is what uh, this movie was trying to focus on. Mm. Were, were you a fan of this movie? I think it's like yes. one of those where you need to evaluate if you're a fan or not. Yeah, it is. Um, I've heard like every listen, everyone that I've spoken to, everything that I've, all of the feedback uh, that I've seen this movie receive, you know what I mean? All of the commentary has been like overwhelmingly positive. Mm-hmm, yeah. People talking about it being movie of the year, even though it technically came out last year in um in Venice Film Festival. But like, I, I didn't really enjoy it that much. It's an uncomfortable. I sort of watch. started enjoying it towards towards the second half. I got I got it, I I warmed to it. Right. But yeah, like watching this movie isn't all the way a pleasant experience. Yeah. At least not at the beginning, not not early on. It wasn't for me. Um, but that said, I am pretty uh, not squeamish is not the word. I'm fine with blood in real life. <laughs> it's like on screen mm. brains getting sliced out and stuff like that. Like. You know, yeah. and, and like aggressive and, cuts to a close-up of that happening. Yeah, very, no very early <laughs> Bella Baxter's stabbing the eyes of a yeah, a, a, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, a, yeah. a corpse. It's, it's, um, it's, 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 of course, like you know, the director. Um, I think it's it's I can't pronounce the name. Yorgos Lanthimos. Lanthimos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, he's tried to make an uncomfortable experience. And have you seen some of his previous work, or you seen what? Well, I know the big one's Dogtooth. Yeah, so so he's done um, the lobster. Oh, of course, yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. The favorite, which is maybe slightly tamer in yeah. terms of the gore, and <laughs> he, he also has done the um, the killing of a sacred deer. Yeah, now killing a sacred deer and the lobster are the two big ones. Um, and yeah, they are and extremely he, he's, uncomfortable. He's, yeah, he explores <laughs> whole horror and really about. strange. Concepts. Yeah, I and mean, there's, there's always like that, that presence of like surgical processes, or mm-hmm. like surgery, and yeah, yeah. doctors doing weird stuff and losing control of their bodies. Anyway, I mean, Lanthimos is, is pretty great, and obviously, what he's attempted to do with this movie is is create a pretty uncomfortable viewing experience a lot of the time. Uh, you can see that in the cinematography; it's really skillful, but it's kind of it kind of like a little bit nausea-inducing, mm. like the sort of the fisheye lens that distorts most shot or a lot of the shots um, the kind of close ups as I say are like you know surgical processes and like yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and dissecting 
of body parts and, and, and things like that. Yeah. That was throughout and, and quite constant. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, what about you? Were you a fan? I, I was. Thing. I was. I, I, um, I think Emma Stone is just unbelievableness and yeah and as uh my i think my prediction about lily gladstone is is probably dead in the water as was she not my, nominated my she not pre- when she won she, no no they're they're both nominated wait but you... i think emma stone's the front runner for best actress at the at the academy awards one she'd won no that no that it's oh no they're still they, nominated but already what do you mean still nominated? They had, she, um, Emma Stone won the Golden Glo- won a Golden Globe alright oh, there's honestly I don't follow these awards shows like I'm so oh but they're, they're, they're like yeah they don't they don't hold much weight to anyone that's like we, we do talk but, about but, them a lot but, for two people that don't give but, much weight but they um, <laughs> but, the, but they are they're kind of essential they are a central focus in this you know in this world yeah we should lean away um, from that though but what, what I was wanting to it. say what, <laughs> what I was wanting to say was Emma Stone is excellent. Mm. Mark Ruffalo is yeah. He, he adds. I think I think Mark Ruffalo adds in a kind of kind of a humour and a pre- and, on, and a and a presence on screen that kind of eases the gore that that's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know what you everything. mean. You know, like, somehow that does kind of like balance it. You, you have a bad, you have a scene that's hard to watch, and then Mark Ruffalo is being ridiculous in the next scene, and, yeah. and it kind of you know, and it's not. It's definitely not a slight on Emma Stone. It's just this is what it's this is the film. And well, it's not. I did was... think about that when I was watching it. I sort of thought like for a, for like a hot second, like after a couple of uh, Mark Ruffalo's like better lines, you know, that like actually made me laugh in the cinema. I was thinking like he's stealing the show a bit here, but it's not true. And I've heard other people talk about um, Mark Ruffalo being the standout. That's just not true. Emma Stone is the is the driving it's, force. Yeah, absolutely. Like absolutely. And it's and I mean you know I'm putting too much attention to the acting here anyway, but like. I'll finish my point. <laughs> She's the driving force, and like she, it's her acting that develops Bella from like childlike and barely, you know, a kind of blank slate, you know, to um, you know, without control of her limbs, to like this distinguished woman of science committed to bettering the world. By the yeah. end, uh, Mark Ruffalo is the sort of pretentious, like debonair hedonist, like <laughs> hammy, completely insecure, like hilarious, like trying to control her, yeah, at, like yeah. a, a kind of like. Um, opportunistic point in yeah. Bella's storyline where she's kind of like still malleable yeah and interesting and and actually we saw a kind of relationship between Bella and 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 kind of the male figures in the in the story that they were all trying to c- control her in some way yeah of course uh, but obviously um, Max McCandless gave up in the end and kind of just let her be. I, well, but because yeah. it, it, it was always really interesting how she would refer Godwin, like literally, should just say God. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's of course a comment. Um, and uh, oh, I'd actually be keen, created I'd, her, I'd right? actually be keen to see towards the end if she stopped saying God and and no, starts saying Godwin. God I can't remember. Time. It's God the whole time. Is it? Yeah. Um, but I, I think how hard must that have been to play for Emma Stone from, like you say, blank slate. To yeah, it's a difficult role. Woman of science, like yeah. it, like that, it's incredible. Yeah, it's it. absolutely incredible. She has to play almost three or four different. Well, she plays a character that's uh, developing that has a very strong arc, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and that's hard to do convincingly. But it's a challenge that a lot of actors face, 
and if you think about a lot of the best characters they're, they're the ones with like crazy arcs that start one one place and end somewhere that's like you know their earlier self becomes like unrecognisable yeah. um, to do that in a short space of time isn't just a testament to the acting but also the writing and like yeah. and everything else about the movie really um, but yeah she kills it it's really good big fan of the uh, the acting but I, you know we always give acting a lot of attention and I honestly don't think it was the highlight uh, the whole movie's put together really well mm. in that sense like it's, it comes together really nicely like we've, I've mentioned the cinematography briefly with like the fish islands but also like the colours uh, the black and white scenes and God I don't know if you noticed that but like mm-hmm. most of the shots uh, in like with God in Godwin's house and like Bella at home a black and white yeah but she goes out into and like explores the world I think it's like part two when she first goes to Lisbon yeah you actually get an injection of colour yeah and it's not just colour either it's like kind of turned up a little bit um and what, what do you think because I'm sitting there watching that and, and going wow that's really cool how they've done it why why <laughs> I'm trying to work out like what why it was done like that in terms yeah. of you know starting off in black and white and then changing you know is it is it the coming of age the self-discovery the realization where everything's black and white at first and then the injection of color is that a representation of bella discovering yeah new I, things? Think, I think the easiest explanation is a representation of uh of her opening her eyes to the world mm. i mean it's kind of like a little bit on the nose <laughs> but like it's one of those things that you don't really think about because the color also does really set the tone like, and i wasn't really going oh no this is shot in colour now like you know, I wasn't thinking about that at all it was a bit like with um, Oppenheimer or not like with Oppenheimer I should say because obviously that is to distinguish like the actual the moment at the time that you're in um, this is not this sort of like the colour comes and goes mm. and it is just to set the mood you know it's, it kind of makes the black and white makes for a kind of gothic effect because it doesn't return to black and white I honestly can't remember it might do you prob- I think you're right. What are the shots because, in? Because when, shots with when it lo- when it looks back to Godwin, um, Max, and the uh, and and basically the new project that they have. Yeah, that's um, in color. I remember. Yeah, that's but in color. What about when she returns at the end? Because I know that's mostly in color as well. But what about when she gets locked up by the general Alfie? Is that is does that return to black and white then? I can't remember. But this is sort of my point. Like the point. Like it's not about you know. If it's in black and white, it means this, and if mm. it's, in, it's not about or like, does it come and go? Does it fade into color forever? Like, it isn't. It's sort of not the point. It's about you can tell that the thought process behind it is setting a tone, <laughs> rather than like an emotional tone. That is, uh, rather than trying to signify anything specific. Mm. I mean, that may be the case, but that's not what I took from it. Um, and I think it's just another cool, like, cool little technique they've used that speaks to sort of like the overall movie you know how it all comes together um, the whole like Art Nouveau design the costumes that are mm-hmm. kind of extravagant and weird and um, yeah just like uncomfortable gothic for sure kind of harkens back to the whole Frankenstein vibe as well I mean the whole movie's in a weird parallel it's, universe it's almost like it's got trams in the air yeah it's almost like Frankenstein meets a young adult it was <laughs> that's you know that's that's almost how it felt like it was it, it was uh Display because it was there's just stark differences in in theme it seemed and, and then they're just merged together in theme. It's so like if you take young adult and you take Frankenstein's monster and smush them together, that's kind of what this. I disagree. I don't think this is very YA at all. No, no. 
It's Frankenstein. It's the same. It's the same time. Yeah, the but, same but but there's there's this there's this self discovery through sex angle, and but that's not YA. Well, I'd say that's pretty adult. Well, yeah, okay, fair enough. And so actually, like, I guess leading us on to <laughs> why are you think Hunger Games and Katniss well, is now but, here? Well, but to be fair though, you can, you also think, um, oh my god, Heartstopper and Sex Education. Yeah, I suppose you do. That is a kind of different branch of YA, but yeah, I suppose yeah. you do, yeah. Um, now, we've talked a lot about sex scenes. Oh, god. And um, sex scenes were half, at least probably half of this film. <laughs> um, so, now it's, it's definitely been critiqued as pivotal and essential in terms of female self-discovery. And, and like, a, again, there's, there's this thing around, like, it being you know is this positive for there's an argument about is this being is this positive for feminism or or is it you know dangerous to what are you, what's your take on the amount of sex scenes and and do they I, mean anything I knew you were larger ask, than just the film or? I knew you were going to ask me this um, I don't have anything to say that I've not said before that's the thing like there's, I've got an article out on, on sex scenes uh, go check that out um we obviously talked about it most recently with the idol, I think, like properly. Yeah. Uh, it felt gratuitous, and it's not like it's, it, I don't even mean that as a criticism. A, like a criticism, I'm not trying to like shoot. You know, I'm not trying to say that. Oh, it was it was it ruined the movie for me. It does. It just feels gratuitous. I completely understand why that. No, I don't. I don't understand why that. I understand why they're relevant. I mm-hmm. understand the whole uh, idea of. Um, the the self discovery through sex that mm. like um, the writer was going for the writer by the way is a uh, Tony McNamara who uh, ad- adapted this from the novel for the screen um, but yeah of course I completely understand why uh, Lanthimos and McNamara like wanted the sex scenes in there wanted a focus on sex as a theme of self discovery um, or you know as a vehicle with which to explain to show to develop Bella and her self and her discovery of self. I think I'm rambling here. Um, all of that said, it, you know, like as a viewer, it feels gratuitous. And I'm sure there's someone out there, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there, I'm sure there's plenty of feminist argument out there that's going to tell me, like, no, they're, they're essential for this reason. And you take them out, you take this scene out, you take that shot out. And like the point that it ultimately makes will fall apart, you know, or like I'm missing something. Or like, yeah. This is not me being like prudes yeah. or anything like that. Like, but you, you know, you it's said just, it yourself. It's like almost half the movie. Yeah, like there's yeah, a ton. Yeah. There's a ton. It's like that, or you know, close-ups of people, or like bodies getting cut apart. And it's kind of like a lot of the time, I'm like, oh, that was sudden. And you don't get any warning or anything. And again, it's not meant to sound prudish, but like, I don't fully understand the necessity. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why anyone would deem them as essential. I get the angle of telling, of explaining self-discovery through sex, and showing that. But you don't have to have visual version on the pornographic sex scenes quite as often. Quite so much to do that. Yeah. You, you knew what I was going to say. Everybody. The other... Um, when I was combining Frankenstein's monster with YA, yeah. um, the actual first thing that came to my mind was it's Frankenstein and, um, and Barbie. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then, but then I was that. like, well, hang on. You know, it's not like it's not like pretty and pink and stuff like that, but it but it kind of is in places. And I, you know, I landed on Frankenstein and young adult being like heart stopper kind of young adult and sex education young adult. 
but like I, I, I did start with it kind of feels like a mixture of Frankenstein and Barbie and yeah I think that's a really really good point like, that's a really good point it's it's like a dark inversion of Barbie isn't it I mean they're really really similar movies and it's kind of funny that they came out same year or not yeah, quite where whenever yeah. you want to say this came out like it's almost like a trend of um, the sort of autodidact voyage of self-discovery to become a self-made woman you know like that's yeah like the, the, that's the theme of both of these movies and both of them kind of use the same sort of like ideas and techniques I mean even down to the acting we were talking a minute ago about um Emma Stone like having to show a woman go from essentially a blank slate like not in control of her limbs mm. to incredibly confident and mm. self-aware um and I remember talking when we talked about Barbie mentioning uh, Margot Robbie's ability to move like a doll yeah, like there's, there's yeah. A, even just down to the acting, like the way that the two central characters are played, Margot Robbie and Emma Stone, like their performances are kind of comparable. Um, obviously, the massive focus on uh, set and costume design is another point. Like the, the cinematography, the, the very weird, unique world of yeah. of poor things, matched with Barbie world, <laughs> like in the you know sort of like the, the over saturated color and everything. Yeah, like that. yeah. Um, and of course, yeah, as I've already said, the story of like women escaping situations of restraint and uh, like they, they start in constrained roles set for them by another. So uh, Barbie is is stereotypical Barbie in Barbie world. Yeah. And like her relationship with Ken is a given. Yeah. Because, you know, um, while Bella is of course like trapped in, her, in the home by God because she's an experiment and then she, you know, both Barbie and Bella flee their situations and go on these kind of I, I saw the term odyssey somewhere when I was researching this like, that's kind of it isn't it they go on these, these these like voyages into the real world and have their you know completely like naive perspectives shifted and burnt out pretty violently at points mm. in both senses in both first stories and then they become these kind of like you know images of feminine self-discovery yeah and they're both set in distorted fantasy universes as well but interestingly Barbie's self-discovery isn't really through sex at all no there's almost no sex there's, there's obviously a lot of discussion of gender and a lot of focus on, on that on inequality etc but um, it's not her self-discovery is not through sex Bella's is so it does really feel like a yeah. dark inversion of Barbie yeah yeah and, and actually like what um, there, there was this point in the self-discovery where pleasure and desire through sex became pleasure and desire through reading you know when when Bella's on the when she's trapped on the boat <laughs> yeah. and she meets two new people and and um, I think I think one of the characters is called Harry and Mark Ruffalo you know she, Bella's saying to Mark Ruffalo's character Duncan oh we found we've made two new friends we can have dinner and he's you know he's he's saying no we can't we need to do this you know we need to go back to the room and uh, and then like the character Harry says what is she not allowed friends mm. or, or something along those lines and then she makes these two friends who kind of show a different you know elements of the world Harry actually shows her what poverty is like yeah, and yeah. then and then Bella suddenly becomes this like just reader <laughs> she just starts reading and, and she doesn't want reading replaces sex yeah, and, 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 and that do, sex doesn't come back well it does because she 
it ends up in a Parisian whorehouse. Oh, was that after the reading? Oh, yes, her yes, own so it means was. of production, yeah, which of yeah, course yeah. is empowering in itself yeah, yeah. and reframes sex work. Yeah, yeah. Makes a comment on that, I think. But um, I, I, I think your point still stands. And they, you could actually mark that on like to a to a line that shifts to an actual uh, specific line. And it's when she meets those friends and the woman whose name I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I don't think I ever knew what it was. Um, she says she hasn't she hasn't like, had sex in twenty years. I said. She hasn't been laid in 20 years. And oh, Bella's yeah. like, like oh, shocked. She's no, like, well, like, that's terrible. awful for you. You know, what on earth? Because she doesn't understand the concept of, of aging and like sexual desire changing and all this kind of stuff. Um, or biology, I suppose. And um, her, the, this old lady's response is like, no, I'm far more concerned with what's in here, like with what's in my head now. And that's almost like the shift. The shift, the yeah. Shift. That's, no, that's yeah, the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, I think your point still stands. I mean, Tony McNamara has done an incredible job. Like, I don't know if you can credit this entirely to the writing, but like the stages of progression that Bella goes through, how like believable, fluid, natural it is. You're really like the arc is is done so smoothly, mm. like so skillfully. I think that's what makes this movie great. Mm. To be honest, is like the actual. But yeah, it's still quite clearly defined. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, marked, points. marked. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, marked, yeah. Like, like when Goodwin's dying and she, Godwin's dying, and she returns mm. to presumably Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> well it's London it's a weird well, yeah. it's a weird fictional like, um, part of London in this um, when she returns to, to see him die it's like I get there was that there was the final progression at that point that whatever that journey was for her to you know to get back to Godwin, Godwin as he's dying she is again a completely different character to the one maybe she was on the boat yeah and, it's, and there's the very defined Seems almost where that where that, where that's she's a different person mm. or a new person or a more developed person. Um, it I I it was enjoyable. Would I what would would you sit down to to re- again. review yeah, this again? I, review it again. I mean, watch it again. Review. I'm not even supposed to be reviewing it now. No, no yeah. <laughs> what I mean is, would you would you now six out the cinema? There it turns up on one of the many streaming services. Are, are you tempted to put it on? Because that doesn't mean it's bad, but I think it always gives an indication to like. You always put a lot more stock on um, on a rewatch than I do. Um, I don't tend to rewatch anything. Mm. Uh, it's very very rare. Yeah. I like new stories. No, I like. I don't rewatch stuff usually, but there's some things I can't rewatch and that's where, um, where yeah. I'm trying to get to here. this isn't one of those for me Yeah, I could rewatch this like, I can't I rewatch society, society of the Snow and I won't yeah 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 <laughs> I've been through it <laughs> yeah, is this, is this one you've been through and you're like can't be done nah I actually think I'd enjoy it more on a second watch because yeah. you've got a little bit more warning as to what's, as what's to what the next shot's going to be yeah. you, you, you're anticipating you know at some point there's going to be a hard cut to an eyeball getting sliced open or mm. something um <laughs> so like you know that I'll feel a little bit more comfortable maybe the first time around like I felt a little bit nauseous for a couple of seconds earlier in this yeah. movie I don't know why I, I genuinely think it was more to do with the cinematography and mm. the whole the vibe of the whole and like the disturbing music that four note thing that like like refrain I guess that riff that kind of like yeah. sat throughout the whole movie I mean its intention was obviously to unsettle you and it yeah, did it unsettled yeah. me I think it would unsettle me less especially when she was travelling around Lisbon on her own yeah, it just kept changing. That you know, it was like calming, and it was like terrifying, yeah. and calming, and te- yeah. Um, no, I, th- I think I think you got a point there. I find it interesting how much more artistic stuff seems to be coming out 
in comparison to maybe some of the films we watched you know, early last year or mid like, last year. No, like no, Air and, Air. And, and, well, and yeah. You know, I'd, say, I'd argue that Air was an attempt at being quite like artistic. Yeah. Artistic. But, you know, but, 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 you know, we've had... I know Napoleon, we didn't fancy Napoleon, but, you know, we, we've had Napoleon, Saltburn, Poor Things, and they all feel framed slightly different to, to the blockbusters of, like, Anderson, you know, the though. Dwayne and... Dwayne the Rock yeah, Johnson yeah. and stuff like <laughs> stuff like that. So it's definitely. I wonder if it's a new era. No, I think it's the same old era. Uh, this is just a, a, a Lanthimos movie, isn't it? Like he's this isn't this. You know, he did Killing the Sacred Deer. He did, he did uh, the Lobster. The only two I've seen. Mm. Um, I know Dogtooth. Was it Dogtooth? Was it, I swear Dogtooth was him. That came out and like shook everything up. Um, he, these are the movies that he does they're mm-hmm. weird they're fixated yeah. on the human body one way or another this is just another one of his we'd be saying the same thing if it was another Scorsese movie about another boring ass gangster family doing you know committing crimes but they're all quite likeable and it's told in you know it's a different set of clothes mm-hmm. Alistair Campbell really liked Killers of the Flower Moon which Alistair <laughs> which I was uh, <laughs> which I was quite angry with <laughs> Because I don't mind, love, I love, I'm really, you know, I don't mind him. But. You don't mind him, you love him, you're <laughs> hesitant to commit. Yeah, I definitely don't want to commit. <laughs> yeah, fair yeah. enough. I, but you know when you hear someone say, oh yeah, I really liked that, it was it was this, it, you, and you've seen the same thing. Yeah. And you're just like, what are you talking about? It? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think we were kind of... Um, um, well, I guess we knew this was going to happen. We were sort of on our own with the criticism of uh, of Scorsese and Killers of the Flower Moon. But like, I think the worst thing you can be is boring, mm. and Poor Things is not boring. It's not, and I would, not. It, it is entertaining. I mean, some of those scenes, you know, with with Mark Ruffalo and like the two of them riffing, like the arguing, Mark Ruffalo's like insecurity is is his lines that are like so debonair. They remind me of that um, character from um, the Importance of Being Earnest who's Algernon Moncrief like he's, he's got that kind of vibe to him and he's, I just love that he's so entertaining uh, and some of those things were fantastic you know the dance oh the like dance. she gets up and starts yes. dancing and he comes in like trying to style and it out and he's kind of killing it really yeah, 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 right, yeah. yeah. Oh. But, like the drama in those scenes is so pure yeah so like I'd rewatch them I'd rewatch this movie just for just for, just just for, for that scene like, just yeah, the yeah. entertainment value yeah. in those scenes alone like, like leaving the sort of yeah. the commentary leaving the feminism leaving the the Barbie comparison, leaving all of that out purely on entertainment value. Yeah, this is worth watching. This yeah. is great. I guess we'll leave it there. <laughs>